Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and all the ships at sea. My name is Timothy Harvey. And I am Jason Hunt. And this is the H2O Podcast, as well as for your viewing pleasure, if you are watching this live or on YouTube or other such places. Good evening. Welcome to the party. You know, that, that calls to mind the question of whether or not the shows that we produce count as podcasts. Because in the traditional sense, the podcast derived from the iPod was an, uh, was an audio file. Mm. You download the audio file. And of course, nowadays, podcast has kind of become this ubiquitous term for pretty much anything. So, you know, ours started as an audio program, but mm-hmm. we've done the video now for a while, and the and it, it still exists as an audio program as well. It, it People does, still yeah. Listen and, to it as but the, but do our shows count as podcasts? Um, it's it's a question of how you consume them. I mean, it's one of those things where you. You're available on different platforms, therefore they're consumed on different platforms. So if you listen to it only, you're listening to right. the commonly accepted podcast. If you're watching it, then you're watching a video, and we're not listening to a podcast. By the way, our podcast, it's either it's either this one or it's Live from the Bunker or it's Zompocalypse Now. I'm not sure, because those are the three that are available in podcast form. Mm-hmm. But... Some combination of those three, we're a hit in Spain. I mean, we're, hey. we're getting a lot of traffic in Spain. I don't know. It just suddenly just bloomed right there. <laughs> just Spain. So everybody who uh, who listens to our program in Spain, we're glad Thank you here. very yes. much. We appreciate it. And if you're not in Spain and you listen or watch the show, we're glad you're here too. Exactly. I saw something the other day. Somebody was making a really big deal out of podcasts you could listen to live. Right. <laughs> and somebody said, congratulations. You, you invented, invented radio. radio. <laughs> I saw that too. <laughs> it's like, wow. It's, and, well, um, it, it's, it's a generational thing. Right. Nothing happened before you were born. Well, and so it, it, It's interesting because you and I or old enough to remember when AM radio was the dominant radio platform. Yeah. Now, this was at the early parts of our lives. It was the, you get up into the early teens, early early 80s, and then it starts to shift over into FM. Yeah. Um, and then, then a, AM became kind of the talk radio networks mm-hmm. because your, your well, pop music, or your music and stuff moved over AM, to... AM, because you know, FM and stereo and all of that, when you know, rock and roll and pop, pop, uh, adult contemporary and all of those music formats, they, when they moved to FM, a- AM was just this barren wasteland. Right. And it wasn't until Limbaugh came in and, re- and basically saved AM radio, some people say, because of the talk radio format that, that suddenly just proliferated everywhere because, hey, this is a thing. This is, this is a marketable thing. And it gave people an alternative to FM. And then podcasts come along. And Which is interesting because when podcasts came along, there had been a long drought for fiction 
on radio. Mm -hmm. This was obviously a big deal for a very long time. Um, in fact, because television wasn't as ubiquitous as it has become, obviously, um, you got all, a lot of your entertainment through the radio, whether it was drama or comedy. The Mercury Theater on the air. Game shows, things like yeah. that. It was, all, it was all radio. And of course, when, when TV went widespread in the U.S., all that stuff moved to television. And radio had this slow kind of move almost entirely into either music or, or talk radio of some mm -hmm. kind. In fact, there's the classic Buggles song, Video Killed the Radio Star. Right, and, which was the very first music video that aired on MTV. And interestingly enough, of course, MTV no longer shows music videos. <laughs> <coughs> Nor does VHS. Uh, VH1. VH1. Which, you know, considering, I mean, yes, okay, if you, you can get your music videos everywhere else, right? You don't have to go to music television, right? right? But still, it's kind of like, but, but that's yeah. what you're for. MTV, music television, that's what it stood for. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Anyway. I'm, I recall much to, because we watched the first season, um, I remember when, when reality TV came to MTV. Oh. The Real World, season one. We watched season one and we were like, okay, we have done this. And then we watched the first season of Survivor. Uh -huh. It's like, we have done this. I don't need any more of it. And then suddenly I have we're all doing it. Now we've done it for, what, 20 different seasons, 25 seasons? Well, you know, I mean, it's, it, 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 people, some people seem to enjoy that sort of thing and, and all, again, like the things you like, but I, I, enough, I died yeah. deep inside a little bit uh, by the time they I, finished watching the first season of I've both never, shows. I've never been a fan of reality television reality program even though I've worked in that well, field but that's just it you and I both know having done worked in reality TV yeah. that it is essentially scripted television mm -hmm. and if even if it even if everything that you see is a real thing that happened without a script it has been edited beyond belief yes. into There's building a, a narrative story um, Yaya Han has been on Twitter of late because apparently there are still people who see her as the villain from sci-fi's series Heroes of Cosplay. Mm. And apparently she was under some sort of NDA where she couldn't talk right. about the production. So she couldn't reveal anything about how they basically stabbed her in the back and edited the show because... They wanted her to be a competitor. Mm -hmm. It's just like, well, I've, I've been judging for 10 years. I, I can't be a competitor anymore. So she wanted to be a judge. So they, they edited the show so that she became the bad guy. Right. And there were a lot of people that hated on her for a long time, and I guess still, still are because of this misconception. But then she said, that was seven years ago. And I thought, where does the time go? I saw... So you see a lot of this on, on on the internet right now. People are talking about how you know the social media platforms and 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 their place in the world with us right now, right? Yes. However you feel about it, and whatever. And there's a lot of different things people are talking about in regards to this. But the thing that you have to bear in mind is that it's not none of it is that old. Mm. I moved to Kansas City in 2005. MySpace was new. Yes. 
Tom's doing great. Tom bought. Tom sold. Tom got out. Tom got out, and I mean, Tom got Tom, out. Tom Tom's was smart. Tom was smart. Tom, Tom, I think went and bought an island and or something. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, so you think about it. I mean, you know, two thousand and five. By two thousand and seven, it was Facebook. Yeah. Uh, had exploded. Um, I think was it two thousand. Two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. When did when did Twitter kick off? Something around there. Um, so this is all relatively new. Yeah. And so when you think about it, this stuff, you know, the 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 fact that everyone's like, well, these giant monopolies of, of power. I'm like, okay, guys, give it five years because they're going to they're going to get broken up. They're going to collapse, well, or a new help. or a new thing's going to come along because Your that's the way the world. God's ears it's going to happen. Like I mean, they're, 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 it, this is how the world works. We folks. were talking today on Life in the Bunker about um, about the Viacom CBS thing, and then mm. we started talking about NFTs. And I'm sorry, if, you, if, I, if the folks know, at home, my, my <laughs> eyes just rolled back so, into my head so hard, I was stared at the inside of my I skull. Know. It's such a weird space it's to be It's such a dumb thing to idea. be. But... Oh, I, actually, but, I read an article about it today uh, uh, while I was waiting for a thing to process, and turns out you can buy an NFT, uh -huh. give them lots and lots of money, uh -huh. and they can delete it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Part of me is like... Sucker! Well, we were talking about it today, and, and you mentioned the beginning of Twitter. Jack Dorsey's very first tweet, he sold an NFT for it for almost $3 million. Yeah, and you know what? Um, quite frankly, if you can get someone to buy your NFT, then you, you know what? I cannot blame you. Somebody but if suggested. you're buying someone's NFT... You're an idiot. Somebody suggested, I believe it was Eastland, uh, suggested that we should take the very first article that was published on SciFiForMe.com and sell an NFT to it. And I thought that's a, that's actually kind of not a bad idea if I still had it. If you because still had you know, it. as as many times as we've changed servers now and hard drive crashes being what they've done, right. and, and you know, I think we've gone through three. So, yeah, it's it's nowhere to be found. Folks, anymore. I love technology. It's probably a good idea. Technology is really cool. I love the new shiny toys. They're really, really nifty. And quite frankly, if I had an unlimited income, I would buy every new Mac, Apple product that rolled out because they're all pretty and shiny and they're made of they're made of they glow with a beautiful light and they're all very cool. But I, you know what? Cabin in the woods, man. You it's, don't have to. Jump on! It's like I'm, I I understand, and I know this is this. God, oh, this could blow up in my face. I think cryptocurrency is ridiculous. Well, there's no there's no inherent value to it, so other the, than what people believe. Well, which of course is the basis for money. Yeah, but I at mean, the same time, it's just yeah, like. But, but the basis for money, though, there used to be the gold standard, so at least there's a beginning there. Well, that establishes value. Sure, but Plus, even but even you have the transactions. For a thing, you, right. you give them money, you get something in return. Mm -hmm. Whereas cryptocurrency, it's just this nebulous thing. And it's another example of the of the, of the things that I absolutely love to read about because there's part of me that is deeply, deeply, uh, well, rooted in American humor, which is the pratfall. Um, you know, British British humor is about being embarrassed. American humor is about falling over and getting hurt. <clears throat> it's true. Yes. <laughs> uh, but the fact that you could actually have these people who have dumped so much money into crypto and they lose their password, and because of the, the passwords are like four million characters yeah. long, 
you can't get your money ever again. It's right. gone. Yeah. And it's just like, there's a part of me that just laughs. And, and I usually keep it inside because it's rude to laugh out loud at people's misfortunes. But there's a part of me inside that's laughing really hard. Right. I'm sorry. I, I feel bad about that. Now. I'm not a good person. <laughs> it, should be, it should be noted that none of this previous 15 minutes of conversation no, has anything to do with the topic. But if you have not about. figured out that there will be a digression <laughs> at some point We're in get out the, of the show, way of time. you have not been paying attention. So over the last few weeks, we have actually managed to have a plan for the various different topics that we've been talking about. And if you've been wondering if you, in fact, have slipped into an alternate universe, this may be your best evidence. Yes, because that's not normal for us. And I have an idea for next week. I'm going to run past you here in a little Uh bit. So, Okay, so tonight we thought we would talk about the bad movies, the bad TV shows, and I guess you could do bad books that are... Objectively, subjectively bad, but we still like them anyway. Interestingly enough, I just watched Godzilla vs. Kong. Yeah. Um, which has a lot of great monster fights. Mm-hmm. But the human stories are just... It's just bad. Yeah. The monster fights are awesome. If you go in and sit there and go, I have come for the monster fights, which is, I think, why most people are watching Godzilla vs. Kong, we sh- we you will have a mugs. grand time. We should get mugs... I just came for the kaiju. There you go. I'm just here for the kaiju. But I will definitely say that if you actually want to see teenagers sneaking into giant complexes, I recommend the TV show Kim Possible. The writing's better. <laughs> and that's not a it's slam a good, on Kim Possible. No, it's, Kim Possible is great. It's I, actually, it's, a it's got well-crafted stories. I actually this had an not. idea for Kim Possible. I was going to introduce a new villain called mm. Crocodile Rocky. Oh, dear. And I never got to do it. I actually talked to the guy, mm-hmm. uh, the story editor, Eddie Gazalian. Um, I, it was a weird story because I, I looked him up. I looked up on IMDb who are the people, Eddie Gazalian. So I called the Walt Disney Company just on a lark, just to see what happened. I said, I need to speak to Eddie Gazalian, please. He picked up the phone and there he was. And I had a conversation with him. I was like, uh, wasn't expecting, wasn't expecting this, that, but yeah. okay, I'll roll with it. Yeah, and exactly. we didn't didn't get a chance to pitch it because they were going out of production. Yeah, the, the show was done. But but it's and there's you when some of these films that I think about when you think about bad movies, mm-hmm. you know what you're going in for. Okay, some yeah. not every film is designed to be anything other than popcorn entertainment, and there is nothing wrong with that. There are some films that, I mean, and, and a critic's job is to look at a film and apply whatever the standards of their, whatever, however they, whatever their model for critiquing a film is, is to apply that. And sometimes you get reviews which are fantastic, and sometimes you get reviews that are nuts. There was, what was it, this article, and I don't remember where I saw it. Um, it might have been the New York Times. Or it may have been, I, I don't know, it could have been one of these other other hoity-toity, nose-in-the-air websites, but it was, uh, the headline was something along the lines of, no, critics are not out of touch, there's just bad fans. And I thought, that's not a very, very good position to take. Well, I think, I think there's, there's, there's uh, and this is not to defend any, because there's plenty of bad criticism on the web, whether it's from a, 
standardized website sure. or, or, a, or a news platform. <clears throat> I read some review in The Guardian, um, I don't know, a couple months ago. I can't remember what it was for. But it was like a paragraph and a, a half long, and I'm like, this is a review? <laughs> I mean, because I've, I've read some, like, you know, essentially it would be like four or five pages, yeah. depending on the reviewer. But this is like a paragraph, and I'm like, okay, is the, is there a button for the rest? That's somebody that's not getting paid <clears throat> per word. That's, well, that's somebody who, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and also somebody who may not be getting paid anything at all. It's like, quick, write this. No, that's like. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, but the, the, the reviews, I mean, that's one of the things, because I was talking to Dave McDonald about it when we were doing all the Starlog things. And he, he was surprised, confused um, by the fact that here you are with the web. You have the website. One of the problems they had with Starlog magazines is they only had a certain number of pages they could print. Right. So your article could only be so long. He says, now here you are on the web with infinite scroll so your articles could be as long as you want to make them and nobody does it. Well, and this is some, this, some of this comes down to how we consume content online because there are people who will argue and I would say that this is a flawed argument, but there are people who argue that you don't want to do a lot of scrolling left or right or up or down. And I get it from a design standpoint, mm -hmm. right? I get it from when you go to that web page, you want to see everything. It's right, right, it's right there, there on right? The, on the front. Um, and that's, that's how you sell whatever it is you're selling, um, whether it's a service or a product or, or content like that. But... When it comes to reading something online, and there are people I know, I, I I know that there are people who actually have a hard time reading things online. Mm -hmm. They find it uncomfortable, and I get that too. But yeah, exactly, there's there's all this room there. There's an infinite amount of room, and we should take advantage of it when we can. But one of the things you have to ask yourself about when it's a bad movie is: is it an actually a bad movie, or did it get bad reviews? Examples: Blade Runner, The Thing. Yep. Um, there's a long list. Halloween. Uh, these are all filmed. Star Wars. Yeah, they got the initial reviews were bad, and to some degree, those critics looking at it from where they were standing, time has proven them to be wrong. Mm. But there are people. You could argue that some of these folks are like, well, from the landscape we're looking at, sure, this is not a good movie, and yet. It touched something in audiences, and time has proven it to be strong. TV shows the same way. I mean, Star, the original Star Trek got bad reviews. I just read a really, a really decent article. I can't remember who, who it was from. I wish I, I, I... My apologies, I should. That had some praise for the original Battlestar Galactica series, a show that I do not... I personally feel has aged very, very poorly. It has... Um, but I could not disagree with their assessment in this review. But at the same time, I mean, and I and I would say that Battlestar Galactica is probably one of those that is bad, but we like it because it the stories, for the most part, kind of hold up. I mean, the effects are still. You know, it was dodgy. super ambitious for television. Yeah, and, especially and at the time that comes through. Mm -hmm. And really, nowhere near the budget of like Westworld. No, no. 
at, I mean, I think the, the, budget, the budget of Westworld for a single episode, I think, was more than the season. entire sort of yeah. 24 episodes of the... But you, you wonder, what would have happened if ABC had stuck with it? What would have happened if they would have actually stuck with the uh, miniseries idea? Because it was supposed to be like yeah. s- seven hours, Something as like, opposed yeah. to a season. And it was not, the story wasn't designed to be three times as long. Right. So, uh, but it's interesting. Because you look at, you know, Gun on Ice, Ice Station Zero or something, whatever, whatever that was. That one, that was a solid episode. There is the, the one thing you cannot fault it for was the ambition of some of the storytelling yeah. and the talent of the people on screen. Execution. That's where things get I mean, dodgy. Is, they got Fred Astaire. They got Fred Astaire <sighs> yes, but as, as it, Starbucks father. But Fred Astaire I was in Ghost Story, and we talked about Ghost Story tangentially mm. on, on Foreign Bodies this weekend, and Ghost Story is a bad horror film. Yeah. It's also boring, which is, of course... The biggest sin you can commit in a horror film, or in any film, a lot of films, is yeah. to be boring. Well, the 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 other part of that you mentioned you mentioned Blade Runner, and I think about um, movies like RoboCop or Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension, which are stylized a certain way. Right. And, you know, the bad reviews being one aspect of that, but you also have people in the general population that go out, and they go in expecting one thing, Mm -hmm. and they get something else, and they don't know exactly what to do with it, how Mm -hmm. to process it. Um, and, And as a result, a lot of these films become these cult classics, these right. aftermarket hits. Uh, the Last Starfighter, or uh, Donnie Darko, or Donnie Darko, um, uh, Cool World. Mm, yeah. the problem with Cool World is that it's actually a bad movie. Heavy Metal. Cool World. Cool. I really want to see the original version of Cool World before Kim Basinger, who was a star at the time. I mean, she's that has a, a wonderful body of work. I mean, you know, she's certainly had her her time as being a, a headlining yeah. actress. Um, but at the, sh- her influence on what the finished product was, um, and she wasn't the only person involved in this studio man- mangling as well, but I really wanted to see the really dark version that the original story was supposed to be. Because I, I thought the... Wasn't, fit, the wasn't it originally an R-rated film? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Rock and Rule was the other one. See, I have a fondness for rock and roll <laughs> because it is, the music is surprisingly... Debbie Harry. Good for that kind of movie and is, not... Isn't, don't they have some Black Sabbath in that? In I can't even remember who's in it. It's a fantastic soundtrack. It's a, it's a, I mean, it's just one of those things. And it's also got one of the best just I am evil Villains. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no, you know. Yeah, is, that a, is that a Bashki? I see. Part of me wants to say no, but it's just in the style. See, but, I uh, have, I have Rock and Rule on a VHS tape, mm-hmm. and it's been forever uh, since I even thought about watching it. But you've got heavy metal, you've got rock and roll. You, we, 
We ought to see about see if it's available on Amazon Prime and do a watch party for some of that stuff. See, you know, that, that's, would, be that would be fun. By the way, folks, we have a Twitch channel. We're trying to get our follower count back up to 100, and then we're going to start with, uh, with watch parties again. So uh, if you have a Twitch channel, you want to follow along over there, uh, we broadcast all of this stuff there as well as YouTube. And uh, it, for alternate channels, uh, it turns out that we are mirroring all of our stuff over to Odyssey. And I wasn't sure that it was keeping up, but there it is. So, uh, Our soundtrack involves such folks as uh, Cheap Trick, Debbie Harry, uh, Lou Reed, Iggy ah. Pop, Earth, Wind & Fire... Yeah, it's a fantastic soundtrack. Um, it does not appear to be. No Black Sabbath. Um, I don't think so, but it's... Um... Robert in the chat says, I hereby, I hereby declare my undying love for Hudson Hawk. So Hudson Hawk is on my list. Is it genre? Is it kind of a superhero type? Okay, so it's... So that's the problem with Hudson Hawk. <laughs> okay. There's actually there's more than one problem with Hudson. It Hawk. doesn't know what it wants to be. It doesn't know what it wants to be. But I tell you what, there is, it is such a gleefully bonkers movie, mm. mm-hmm. and it is. And I and I I I am a bad person, but we it was me, um, a couple of friends of mine, and my ex-wife, and we were in the theater, and there is a really tasteless, especially if you lived through this when the when the shuttle exploded when okay there is a shuttle joke in Hudson Hawk it is in bad taste and the timing is perfect and we all laughed really hard felt bad about it but could not deny the fact it was a well delivered well and it's uh, uh yeah i mean it's it's and it has it's the ludicrous if you've never seen the film the absolutely ludicrous concept that you can time a heist to a song and have, it's an excuse for actors to do song and dance routines and I could not complain about it. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's full of so much great stuff in terms of the cast is just, cool. I, I understand it was a mess behind the scenes. But the cast looks like they're having a great time. Yeah, Robert says it's a heist musical. And it is, it's got, it's a mess, but I really enjoy that movie. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's completely, you cannot take it seriously, and it's, it challenges you to even try. I got to thinking about the list, you know, mm-hmm. what we could talk about tonight. And I'm thinking all the different movies and TV shows and stuff that I've seen. And I thought, there's really not a whole lot on my list of things that I consider bad that I like. Because if I consider it bad, generally, I'm, it's something like hardware, you know, where I stop watching after the first 15, 20 minutes. Or the Whereas un- I like hardware. The unsinkable Shecky Moskowitz, for example. We walked out in the first five minutes because I lost count of the F-bombs. And it was just like, okay, this is enough. By the way, you will not find... The unsinkable Shecky Moskowitz anywhere on IMDb because they renamed it Overboard. And I think it's probably because it 
got such a drubbing in everything. Terrible, terrible, terrible movie. One of Adam Sandler's very first films. And it is god-awful. Adam Sandler has made like three movies I've enjoyed and then the rest have just been... Yeah, and only, only one of them, I think, has anything remotely close to genre, which makes me happy because I don't have to talk about Adam Sandler movies. I don't know. See, the problem is, is that they all blur after a while, so I couldn't actually answer your questions to no. which three. Um, uh, just a little, little thing here, a little Hudson Hawk note. Uh-huh. Um, James Coburn, Andy McDowell, uh, Danny Aiello. It's uh, uh, Frank Stallone, Sandra Bernhard, and Richard E. Grant. This is a fantastic cast. Andy McDowell should have had a bigger career. Yeah, yeah I would agree. Um, but uh, oh, David Caruso in one of his rare film roles. Mm. This was prior to... Uh, uh, CSI. Yeah. Eastland in the chat says, Solar Babies. You know, I have not seen Solar Babies in so very, very long. I know I've seen it, but I can't tell you anything about my opinion on when I watched it. I don't recall that I've ever seen that one. Um, you've got Solar Baby about that same time. You had Solar Babies, Critters was about that same time, I think. And Critters um, is exactly what's on the tin. Yeah. It's not a great movie, but it's entertaining. Um, uh, what was the other one? Uh, Night of the Comet. She, uh, Night of the Comet's fun. I like Night of the and Comet. And it's not a bad movie. It's not a bad movie. It's not a bad movie, which means we can't talk about it tonight. We should talk about it, though. We should talk about <laughs> Night of the Comet. Um, Mrs. Boss sat me down one day, and we watched Flight of the Navigator, mm. which was better than I expected it to be, <laughs> but still was not great. Mm. I don't know... I don't know that I would consider it a bad movie, but yes, this, the, <laughs> there, have, have you, you've seen Flight of the Navigator? Again, another one of those films I've seen okay. a million years ago. So, kid, kid goes, you know, space camp or whatever, and they have a droid mm-hmm. thing, and bonds with the kid, and the, the kid just absolutely dying to get into space. No, that was Space Camp. Oh, yeah. That was Space Camp. You're talking Space Camp. They're blurring together here. This is what's happening. Flight of the Navigator was the kid, and... Pee-wee Herman is the voice. Yeah, uh, Paul Rubens is the voice of the the ship. It was okay. Um, There was another one, though, Explorers. You remember that uh one? yeah. That came out about that same time, too, as Solar Babies and Critters and all these others. And I thought, this, this is not very good. It was fun to watch, you know, especially when you get in there and the alien is starting to do all of the TV show impersonations at one night at the end. I'm like, okay, I, now it's just goofy. Up until that point, it was just, uh, okay, yeah. But, you know, then it took a hard left mm-hmm. into comedy you know, b- not not quite to Benny Hill territory, but yeah, I mean, it just it just it goes silly, and I, I'm trying to get my head around a <laughs> science fiction film in Benny, Benny Hill I territory. Maybe right? maybe not that extreme, but it was one of those. I was like, okay, this this is fun. But I was thinking, it was all of these different movies that I've seen. There are two that come to mind that could be considered bad, quote mm-hmm. unquote bad. But I still enjoy them. 
the remake of Invaders from Mars. Okay. Which I saw what they were, because it, it's that B-movie schlock theater drive-in right. experience on a Saturday night. You know, Joe Bob Briggs type stuff. Mm-hmm. For family family viewing. Right. So it's it's fun. Not bad. And then you have Space Invaders. Do you remember that one? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that one. Prepare to die, Earth scum. Remember that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've probably been a long, long time. <laughs> that, one, that one should have done a whole lot better than it did. <laughs> you know, it was one of those things. Okay, so for those of you who have not seen Space Invaders... You uh-huh. should see Space Invaders. We should see if, if Amazon Prime has it oh on their library God. because that would be fun to watch. You have this, this spaceship full of Martians, half-wit, back end of nowhere is their assignment because mm-hmm. they're misfits and they can't get anything right. And they pick up a transmission, somebody doing a rebroadcast of... The War of the Worlds, Orson Welles' War of mm-hmm. the Worlds. And they're like, wait, we're invading Earth? Nobody told us. Let's go. And so they come thinking that they're invading Earth and they're the only ones there and they show up on Halloween. So everybody thinks that they're in costume. It is, it's just one thing after another and it is, it's just fun. You've got the one who, you've got the Jack Nicholson one and you've got the one who's always saying, prepare to die, earth scum. And the one, we're doomed. I mean, you have the, the C-3PO equivalent. He's always saying, we're doomed. We're, we're all going to die. And Douglas Barr is, is in this. Mm-hmm. And if, for those of you who are of an age, you will remember Douglas Barr as uh, Lee Major's sidekick on The Fall Guy. And his daughter is played by the same girl from Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. Ariana Richards. I did not know this, but because I got to, I got to thinking about all of these things. So I looked it, I looked it up because I was thinking, you know, whatever happened to her? Because she hasn't done a whole lot. She's a painter, and she turns out, <clears throat> on her mother's side, she's the descendant of a rather famous painter. I can't remember the name right off the top of my head, but it's somebody, an Italian painter, uh, Ariana Richards. And because her mother... Carlo Crivelli. Yeah. And because her mother married in the United States and not Italy, she didn't get her inheritance of all of the different things from that family. Yeah. But I thought, she's a painter. And she actually is fairly, fairly good, you know, award-winning, and she's got some, some really good stuff. I looked at things. Um, let's see. Drop Dead Fred, Nothing But Trouble. You're not helping in things anyway here. Robert says, is Time Bandits bad or good? Those are bad. Yes, but, yes, but those aren't genre. Um, Drop Dead Fred, hello. Well, like actually, Nothing But Trouble well, is genre. But it's just, but, but it's a bad movie that I don't love. Um, <laughs> I think is the issue there. Um, Time Bandit's bad? So, uh, 
So Time Bandit's reviews were very, very mixed. Mm -hmm. Some people definitely did think it was bad. And Time Bandit's is, I don't think it's bad at all. It's actually one of my favorite films. But I also can see how somebody who was wasn't expecting Terry Gilliam, which is an easy enough thing to do. I mean, Terry Gilliam has been known to sit there and go, so I brought you this madness. Yes. And here you go. Uh, but I, I wouldn't say it's bad. Um, I quite, I mean, there's a lot going on in the film, but it's got a, there's a solid story. It's fantastic performances from, uh, certainly from the, there's a bad performance in there. And David Warner as a villain. I mean, wow. what more do you need? Sark. If you, I mean, there's if there's a reason to watch uh, Masters of the Universe, <laughs> it's hiding Frank Langella under. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why. Actually, Frank Langella is why you watch several movies. If you say one, I watch absolutely. Um, uh, I mean, generally, it's not going to turn into bad performance. But, um, oh, now I'm drawing a blank on the Johnny Depp film where he plays. I have to look this one up. Um, While you're doing that, I'll say hello to Matuine, who's dropped into the chat. Hello there. And um, Franklin Gella also does comedy fairly well. You know, oh, yeah. A, uh, uh, if you haven't watched it, and it's not a genre, but I'll recommend it anyway, Date. Oh, yeah. With Kevin Klein. Uh, that's that's a fun. He's a great. He, he does comedy villainy, but he's all, I mean, he's an he's an amazing dramatic actor and and somebody who if you're if you're not a fan you're doing it wrong. Um, we were we have been watching Deep Space Nine, and he's in oh maybe four or five episodes from mm. the second season dealing with the circle and this group of terrorists and whatnot, mm. and he doesn't get credited. And he was doing it for his grandkids and didn't take the credit because it was just something it was just something fun to do. Right. Which I thought was, was rather interesting. Ninth Matt, Gate. The Ninth Gate. This is not uh, the, Oh yeah. So the Ninth Gate is not a good movie. The Ninth Gate is a terrible adaptation of the book that it's based on. It is a awful adaptation. I still enjoy The Ninth Gate for two reasons. One, because I was a book dealer when the, when the film came out, and every book dealer looks at that movie and goes, No! That's not how any of this works! <laughs> so there's that. Um, and Franklin Jella, yeah. who is just so great in this movie. And if there's what, I mean, you could mute everything else, and every time he comes on screen, turn the volume back up. And otherwise, the images are kind of pretty. So, Matween says, David Warner, lasers, 8 o'clock, day one. I don't know. I, I don't know either. That's a reference to something, I'm sure. Oh, uh, 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 pretty is sure. Time I think it's a line for time bad. Okay. Correct us if I'm wrong, but I think that's what that is. <laughs> um, okay, so I've got, I've got an obscure one. I'm going to okay. go deep cut here, guys. All right. um, dead Heat. I've heard of it. Joe Piscopo. Oh. 
and Treat Williams. Oh, that is a deep cut. My goodness. So Treat Williams is one of those unsung heroes of cinema. Um, uh, If you've ever seen um, The Phantom, he just cheerfully chews up the scenery as the villain. Mm. Uh, and uh, he's done a lot of he's he done a lot of drama. He's he's a really very really, very talented guy. He just never quite got the exposure that that you think he would have based on on the body of work he's done. Um, but Dead Heat is a zombie cop buddy movie, <laughs> and is not good, folks. Because one of the cops, one of the buddy cops, is a zombie. Right. right? So so there are zombies and they're stealing things. And so the cops go out to stop them, and in the course of their investigation, spoiler alert for a film that came out in the 80s, early 90s, uh, Treat Williams is killed, but then he's revived as a zombie. And he must solve the mystery and defeat the villains while beginning to decay and lose... I mean, there's just so many things about this film that are just dumb. Yeah. And I grinned and giggled and laughed all the way through it. There's a great line where he's he's shuffling in. He's he's like he's winding down and he's just staggering around. He's got a gun in his hand and he wanders in and the the guard of the evil villain lair sees him and he says, "Don't get up." And the guy gets up and he just sort of wa- waves his arm at him and just shoots him. He just wanders on. Told you not to get out. I mean, it's just so. I mean, it's just it, the. It's full of bad one-liners, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Christopher says, "Zombie cops, dead heat is great." It is a really entertaining movie. When you mentioned it, and you said Joe Piscopo and Treat Williams, my mind immediately went to another film that is kind of a buddy cop thing. And I think it's called I Come in Peace. I think Oh sure. That's yeah, what yeah. it was called mm-hmm. when it was released. I don't know what it's called now. Dolph Lundgren and Brian Benben. This is before Brian Benben had his HBO series. Right. It was an early, early, early in his career. And you have this alien coming to Earth and you have cops that are trying to investigate all all of this widespread, what they think at first is gang violence, you know, organized crime mm-hmm. warfare on the streets mm-hmm. of, of the city. And it's, there's an alien. And I can't remember why the alien is on, is on the planet. doesn't matter. But you remember, <laughs> you remember the, the, the torpedo disc, mm-hmm. the little slicer disc? That yep, 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 yep. Who else was in that movie? I can't remember who else was in there, but I remember enjoying that film. That was fun. Uh, I come in peace, but you're probably going to have to look it up by Dolph Lundgren's name because I don't think, I think home video, I think they changed the title. And that was not horribly uncommon. We tend to forget Dolph Lundgren. (sighs) No, I was just making sure. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cast a Deadly Spell. So Cast a Deadly Spell uh, is, n- is 1940s. So it's, it's film noir meets Lovecraft. It's a world where the 
where the where magic is a f- working part of society, right? And it also has David Warner in it, and it is a. We should do a David Warner film festival. Uh, it is actually it is great genre villain stuff. He's a great genre actor, um, but he, uh, Fred Ward, plays a detective named Lovecraft, who finds himself in the middle of the standard film noir shenanigans. Sure. Now with more Cthulhu, and it's a comedy. It's played. It, it's it's a mix. It's it's very funny, but mm-hmm. it's played relatively straight. It's exaggerated. It's almost kind of brought up that sort of almost 1940s exaggeration. Right. Um, Which is hard to do unless you know what you're doing. Yeah, and I think that they succeed really well. Um, it has a very poor sequel, starring with Dennis Hopper taking on the role, which I cannot recommend, and I can't say it's a bad movie I love. I just thought it was bad. Mm. It loses It loses that tone. Yeah. And it's like, okay, the guys, this is what made it good. And uh, quite frankly, you know, as much as I... Um, like Dennis Hopper in some roles, um, he's no Fred Ward in, in in Lovecraftian film noir. That was a, that's another missed opportunity. Remo Williams. Oh no, kidding! You know they still do the books. Oh sure, yeah. R.J. Carter uh, out of St. Louis writes them. He and as a matter of fact, I'm still working on a review for a sh- uh, an anthology that R.J. edited called "The Devil You Know." And the books are aware of what they are, mm-hmm. so it's not like I mean, they're, I think it's one of the things that that the the folks who really enjoy that movie are. It's a movie made for the book fans, and that is often a hard thing to get a broader audience to to embrace because they don't really get the. Um, All right, so we've got Dolph Lundgren. Uh, I. Is it still called I Come in Peace? I ended up having to Google them. Uh, Dolph Lundgren, Brian Binben, Betsy Brantley. So Matthias Hughes plays the bad alien. Mm. Um, David Aykroyd's in it. Um, Michael J. Pollard. Mm hmm. Yeah, I. Yeah, this was this was just a fun, a fun movie. Okay, fun movies that are not good. The original Death Race is two thousand. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone. Uh huh. <laughs> Keith Carradine. Incredibly in bad taste, but it is an hour and a half of we're just going to be as crazy. And, it, and of course, it's, it's had remakes, right? So there was the, right. there was the, the Jason Statham, yeah, and which completely loses the fact that the tone of the first film, the the original version, is so just completely matter of factly. Nuts. Yeah. So it's a, it's a it's a future world. I believe it was set in 1999 or something like that. See, that's the problem with the with the modern era remakes is that they take themselves too seriously. Well, so the 
I mean, you look at Total Recall, for mm-hmm. example, with uh, well, with with uh, what's his name, um, Colin Farrell. The biggest problem with with that film is not that it takes itself too seriously; it's that it has a bad script. Um, but yes, I, I mean, I, I see but your the point. New, the the RoboCop remake with Michael Keaton, same kind of thing, where you're 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 taking this idea of something that was somewhat kitschy in the 80s and you're trying to tell it in a modern setting well, you're also modern, well, you're also neutering it out, neutering it of the violence that was part and parcel of what made the first one there's there's commentary happening in that film yeah and you if when you if you take that out and some of it is time and place right so some of it factor that factors in but you look at something like the you know it, it was a future world where the U, where this it was the time you know and we, this is, we had Cannonball Run and, and all these other films about races, and here's a race across the country, except that you kill people on the way. Yeah. And it was sort of this poking fun at society, and it was poking fun at, it was conspiracy plots, and, and I mean, it's just a grab bag of crazy. Well, and RoboCop does the same kind of thing as far as the commentary on the times go. Oh, because sure. Because it's, you know, it's that same over-the-top, violent, and RoboCop 2 is the one generally that's considered the weakest of the three uh, in, as far as the originals. I mean, RoboCop 3 doesn't have Peter Weller in it, so it's got that going against it, all going into it. But out of those three, people mm-hmm. seem to think that RoboCop 2 is the weakest one of the three. Um, I thought it was okay. I mean... The problem know. is trying to capture... Sometimes what makes a film great and really captures is this thing that's really hard to capture twice. Yeah. It's and well, especially if you have a, di- a director with completely different sensibilities. I mean, Irvin Kirshner, Paul Verhoeven. I mean, yeah, no, I mean they're, no. they're nothing alike. <laughs> no, they're not in terms of style. But and even tone. then, I mean, you can look at depending on uh, you can have the same director and the same writer and all these different things and just not have the same whatever it was at that moment. Yeah. And sometimes it literally is where the audience is that month of that year of that, you know, whatever is going on in the world, you can just trigger that and then you try and do it again three years later mm-hmm. and the world has moved on or something else has caught fire in, in the minds of people. Or something has happened in society, like a nine eleven, or a, right. Yeah, you can you can really just sit there and go, okay, well, we had our window and it's yeah. closed. Um, but you know, Robert says all of the Tremors series. Yeah, would you would you consider the Tremors movies to be bad movies? Um, I personally wouldn't because they are very aware of what they are. When you go it to goes see back a tr- to that B movie schlock theater type right, and, stuff, and they don't they don't try to be anything else, and they just try and be entertaining creature features. Yeah, and I think that that's again this is where you run this is where you run into the issue with with how you critique some of this stuff, because some th- some films are not trying to be anything other than what they are, and they are aware of what they are. It's like something like Slithered, or. Mm-hmm. The Tremors movies. I was actually considering Slither for a minute for talking about this. And no, Slither's a perfectly good movie. There's nothing bad about Slither at all. It's a very entertaining comedy monster movie. Right. And just because it doesn't have the profile of the later James Gunn movies, 
I mean, you know, but it was people who watched it sat there and went, this is a lot of fun. It's Nathan Fillon and, 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 you know, just a fantastic cast. But, you know. But then you get into films like, there are people who love movies like Demolition Man and Judge Dredd this, from Stallone. Yeah. And you can look at them and go, you De know these are kind of bad, right? Demolition Man was much more prescient than I want to consider. Yeah. <laughs> But Demolition Man also is a, it is, it is looking at, so, okay, it's, there's two movies that fall into this category, Demolition Man and Last Action Hero, where the people who are making the movie are looking at the star of the film and going, let's have fun with your, the characters you're known for playing. Yeah. And I think that that. Tango and Cash. Tango and Cash. Tango and Cash, yeah. But, but in terms of genre films, they, those two films, while objectively you can argue are not good, they're entertaining. And I am a big, 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 big booster of Last Action Hero. It was a decade too early. Yeah. Um, because Arnold making fun of himself, it looking at the pop culture phenomenon of the action hero movie and going... You guys know this is ridiculous, right? Yeah. And then you have Charles Dance in one of his early film roles being just one of the most maniacally wonderful villains who knows he's a villain and realizes he's a villain in fiction and smart enough to go, let's play with this. Yes. And F. Marie Abram completely... Uh, riffing on the fact that he had just, of course, done uh, Amadeus, Amadeus not too long ago. And um, just, there's so much that film gets right about looking at pop culture way, way too early mm -hmm. for audiences to sit there. Because, I mean, at that point, nobody was going, let's deconstruct the action, you know. And, and quite frankly, you know, hot shots... Uh, and uh, uh, Loaded Weapon were the closest we got yeah. to deconstructing these films. And then you have something like, you know, there's something like uh, Last Action Hero. That's not what audiences were looking for. And I sat there, I watched that film, and it's like, this is great. And people were going to be like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, I don't think, I don't think you're right. I'm like, mm, okay, fine. I'm right. Um, crawl. So, I love it's, Crawl. It's good. It's, well, I say it's good. It's, it's fun to watch. It's ambitious for what it wanted to do with how much money it had. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy who plays the prince should have had more of a career than he did. I didn't realize, because I was looking through IMDb one time, I was looking at stuff with DS9, and he shows up on, on DS9 as a uh, security chief for a mm. while. And I, I can't remember his name, but um, he's much older. I thought, that's the guy, his receding hairline. I mean, sure. his hair's almost gone in the, mm. in the top. I thought, that's him? And I was like, where did he go after Krull? And now suddenly he shows up on Deep Space Nine and he's like 20 years older. I thought, oh, where does the time go? 
But that should have done better than it did for what it was. So Crawl is one of those movies where you get the soundtrack and you separate it from the dialogue and you just watch the pictures. Mm -hmm. Visually, it's much more interesting than the story was. Well, see, the thing is, though, the story is setting up. It feels like it's setting up something bigger to come later. This is this is his this is his origin as the hero. And this is what they will tell you not to do when I making know. a film you don't know you're getting a sequel to. Well, it's it's Luke Skywalker as Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. I mean, okay, that, yeah, that's, all right. that, that's that enough, milieu where right. you have the you know the, you have the hero fan you know the fantasy the high fantasy you know horses and sword and sorcery. And he's Luke Skywalker in the middle of it. You know, innocent, young, gets catapulted into being the hero because he has to because everybody else is dead. You know, that kind of thing. It's, you know, it's Arthur. Mm-hmm. And he, there's a Merlin equivalent. You know, there's that. There's the damsel in distress. and It's got all of the sure, elements. Sure. It's just not crafted very well. They 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 didn't let it bake quite long enough in the oven. It needed a few more million dollars. Battle Beyond the Stars. Ah, uh, well, anything by Corman. So Corman, not saying. No, wait, no, wait. I, no, let me let me take that back because that made it sound like I said Corman's movies were all bad. Not, and I did not mean to say that. Corman makes inter- Corman made entertaining movies. Yes, and he knew exactly what kind of movies he was making. This is true. But Battle Beyond the Stars is assembled from the parts of other movies. Mm-hmm. It's full of TV actors who are having a wonderful time. John it, Boy. It, oh. <laughs> and it is, without Battle Beyond the Stars, you would not have a certain film that people tend to think about as being sort of a Star Trek movie. But with that, it has kind of has the same plot as Battle Beyond the Stars. Okay. Do you not see the... Well, okay, so timeline... No, I, there are plenty of similarities with Star Wars, of course. Um... But I was thinking that Battle Beyond the Stars came after Star Wars. No, 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 not Star Wars. Um, but, uh, um, see, now my brain is just completely shut down. Uh, Tim Allen, Alan Rickman. Oh, Galaxy Quest? Galaxy Quest. Think about it. Galaxy Quest's plot, the main plot of Galaxy Quest. Let's take out the actors. What's going on, what's going on in the outer universe? Right. And then it's the plot of Battle Beyond the Stars, which is which is science fiction. It's a science fiction standard plot. It's an alien invader. It's a it's a sure. system under threat. The people who come to defend the system, right? The last starfighter, same way. Right, and and Battle Beyond the Stars, of course, is the Magnificent Seven as well. Yeah. So, if you look at the big space opera, as many ways having similarities to Ocean, you know, it's it's you know Horatio Hornblower, but it's also the Western. And this is very much a, this is the Western. Mm-hmm. But it's just, I mean, I cannot, every time I have the opportunity to watch Battle Beyond the Stars, it's like, yes, I'll take it. Because, 
because it's just so much fun. The other Corman movie that is relatively bad but still fun to watch is Fantastic Four. It, you, there are people who will argue, and I don't know that I can disagree, that it's the best film adaptation of Fantastic Four we've ever gotten. See, and the I, least seen, of course. Yeah. But. Well, see, and I, I enjoy the two that Fox did with, with Ian Grofeld and, and Jessica Alba and, and Chiklis is the thing. The, Michael Chiklis is an Oh, so he's thing. perfectly cast. Perfect. Um, Chris Evans is Johnny Storm. Okay, but you know, I could, I could. He did better with a different role. They were, yeah, he did, but they weren't terrible movies. I could see where they were trying to do, because again, you have to, you have to remember though, at the time, what kind of superhero movies were being made, right? right. And they weren't the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And of course, DC still hasn't quite figured out what they're trying to do. But you know, Marvel is sitting there going, "We're going to make comic books. We're going to make movies that are comic books." But the problem is, is with those films is that they are, they completely. You had two movies, and they still couldn't find a way to make them the first Marvel's first family. Yeah, and I think that that's something that that it was the real missed opportunity. For I them. think part of that was because it wasn't Marvel making them. It was it was 20th century. Well, but Fox even well, and, even and Marvel didn't know what to do with its own product. Yeah. So often when involved with the films, oddly enough, on my list of films is I have a soft spot for Punisher Warzone. Now, which is that? Who's Punisher in that? Uh, that one is oh dear, because um, uh, I should have written that down because Christopher I, says really enjoyed Deathstalker 2 it seemed like everyone was in on the joke Royce. I've never heard of Deathstalker 2 Ray Stevenson Ray Stevenson yeah Ray Stevenson um, and so it's, I think it's the only Punisher film directed by a woman mm-hmm. and it's over the top in its violence yeah. in a way that um, if you were reading Punisher at the time there was some of that going on um, now, is it a good movie? It's not. Because the story doesn't hold up particularly well. Uh, Stevenson is not the best person to play Frank Castle by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but there's this gleeful sense of this is a completely nuts story about a guy who, by all rights, is not the hero of this story. It was really recognizing the fact that Castle, Castle's not a hero. Yeah, Castle's not a good guy. Well, and people forget that when the Punisher was introduced in the pages of Marvel Comics, he was a villain. He was not an anti-hero like he became later. He became really popular, and so they decided to turn him into an anti-hero. Right. But he was a villain when he was first introduced. Same as Deathstroke. Deathstroke is not a hero. Right. And people want to make him into some kind of an anti-hero thing, too, depending on the story. But they're bad guys. And I think your best... uh, uh, The Netflix series probably leaned into that probably better than any of the rest of them where he's a little crazy well, and because of everything that happened to him. It depends on who's writing the comic. Mm-hmm. Because some of them really lean into the fact that he is... There's been a... Uh, and and, and some, of this, some of this recently has come out of the fact that there's a lot of 
you see a lot of Punisher iconography involved with police. Yeah. And um, a lot of people have been very surprised by this because the Punisher He's and the police guy. are not on the same side. Right. And the, there's, depending on the writer, they've either leaned into that or they've, or they've not as much. But there's one, I, I can't remember which, which writer was behind it, um, but it was basically, you know, the cop saying, you know, we're rooting for you, Frank. And the Punisher looking at him and going, you shouldn't be, because, no. you know, I'm, we're Chris, not on the same side. Has Christopher Priest ever written for the Punisher? I don't know that he has. I wonder, I wonder what that combination would be like. I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, Punisher Warzone is, it's not, like I said, it's not a good, it's not a good Punisher movie. But it's an entertaining, yeah. My, okay, there are moments it, some of the Punisher's villains in some of the comics are a little bit Dick Tracy. It's a comic book. It's a comic book. And this is one of those films where they lean into the fact that some of the villains are a little bit Dick Tracy. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Yeah. Um, but I cannot tell you it's a good movie because it's not. Speaking of Dick Tracy. <laughs> uh, 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 another, we no have kidding. two Roberts in the chat. Uh, our, our usual Robert. You can say that about a lot of Hollywood characters. For instance, all of Martin Scorsese's films. All his mobsters are heroes, but they're objectively terrible. That's that's okay. They're not heroes. Well, they're the protagonists. It's they're the they're the heroes in their own story. Right. Not necessarily that they're heroic characters. Um, we're past an hour, but we could probably do this. Oh yeah, we, we haven't even gotten to my list. Let's see, um, uh, uh, Club Dread. We haven't even gotten to your list. <laughs> uh, so we've got Club Dread. We've got Idle Hands. We've got the first Mortal Kombat, folks. I love it, too. Uh, it's not a good movie. Um, uh, uh, so I Married an Axe Murderer, which is borderline genre because it's... That's, yeah, that's, a, that's an odd duck. But I, I think it's very funny. Equilibrium, otherwise known as... Uh, so it was... Is Denzel Washington? No, equal, no, Equilibrium, that was... Um, what's his name? Played Batman. Um, oh, my God. Getting old, folks. Uh, the the Nolan Batman movies. Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Christian Bale doing uh, gung fu or gun, the gun katana thingy. What's it? Where you basically fight with guns? Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a thing. It's a thing that actually happened. This was a thing that went that that showed up for a little while. Um, it's basically Fahrenheit four fifty one, uh, except with martial arts, and it's. Not good, but it's fun to See, look I've at. Heard of, I've, I've heard sure of. Sure, it's pretty. Didn't Denzel Washington do a movie called Equilibrium? He may that's, have. That's the one I'm thinking of. He may have. Um, uh, the first, The Mummy. With Brendan Fraser? Yeah. Objectively speaking, it's not a great movie. It's a fun but movie. But it's a fun movie. Have you Again, seen. Again, knows okay. what it is. Uh, knowing how you are. With social media. <laughs> what does that mean? Knowing how you <laughs> no, are with social media. Knowing how you are. You probably have not seen, but over the weekend, and I don't know what prompted this, everybody has been talking about why Why did this suddenly start? 
over the weekend, there was just this proliferation of everybody and their dog professing their admiration for Brendan Fraser. It just spontaneously erupted. I don't know how it got started. So I did not see that, but I did see earlier in the week that there was the same thing for Batman Returns. I didn't see that. So there was a whole thing where it's like, Batman Returns is the greatest Batman film of all time. And there's like, it just exploded over Twitter. And I'm, and I happen to be posting stuff for work. And yeah. I just, and I'm like, I saw that it was trending and I'm like, Batman Returns? Yeah. What? But yeah, but Brendan Fraser and, and which there's, are, which they're correct. Batman Returns is the best Batman movie. <laughs> um, you could say that Superman 3 is a bad movie. You could say that. But it's kind of fun to watch. Ish. Ish. It's better than Superman 4. What's, was there a Superman 4? <laughs> there was a concept. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I don't think we had a Superman 4. I, I just... Was uh, that Superman Returns? <laughs> um, uh, wait, 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 let me get to this. Um, uh, Legend? Really? So... You're going to say that Legend is a bad movie? There are parts of Legend that are really, really bad. Tom Cruise's performance in that film is terrible. He's young. He's also miscast. He's also not the person well, to be in that part. He, yeah, but he's but, young. But the reason to watch that film, Tim Curry is the devil. Absolutely. That's it right there. It's a, you're done. It's Tim Curry when with he, When with he first giant, comes out, those, yeah. When Tim he Curry, is, he is the devil, and, and he is, he's, this was Tim Curry, and admittedly he's, he's done up in prosthetics here. But this is Tim Curry. If you if you remember Tim Curry's physique in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, he was in good shape. He's in good shape in this film. Um, you don't think you tend to think of him as being. He's not a particularly tall guy. But you tend to think of him as, as his later career. Where he's gotten he's a little more shaped, like a yeah. you know, um, like like a butler, a little doughy, he's shaped like a butler. Yeah. Um, but he's and he's just such. So wonderfully evil in this movie. Tim Curry would have been an excellent Alfred Pennyworth. Oh, no question. No question. Um, I'm really curious to see what Andy Serkis does because I kind of can. When I when I heard that Andy Serkis was cast as Alfred, and I'm like, well, we can't have Tim Curry. So, yeah. you know, um, let's see uh, the third Halloween film, uh, Halloween Three. Guys, it's it's a not a good sequel. To Halloween one and two, but mm. it's an entertaining, come on, you know, evil villain trying to kill children with masks. I mean, come on, um, the black hole. Uh, I love the black hole, I'm, folks. I'm going to be borderline on that one. I, I love the movie, but if you, if I, I, I was old enough at the time, even having taken, I think, grade school. Science uh-huh. to sit there and go. That's not how physics works. Yeah, but <laughs> all of Star Trek is not how physics work. All Nobody Star in Wars. Star Trek sat there and basically had all the air being sucked out of the world and none of them not choking. We just <laughs> saw an episode of Voyager mm. where they are trapped in the event horizon of a singularity. And they manage to escape. I mean, there's physics, and and then there's science fiction physics. And that can be whatever it is that you want it to be. Okay, but this is also a film that's out there, and this is Disney's, this was Disney's first adult movie. 
and um, the production design is gorgeous. The ship, the Cygnus, oh, yes. is just incredibly beautiful. I still have model in the garage. Um, but it, ha it suffers from the same problem as the Event Horizon from the film Event Horizon, is that no shipyard would ever build one of these things. Because mm. they'd look at it and go, so do you wish your crew to go mad? <laughs> is, is your goal, are you planning on breaking through Dang to on. another universe through using a black yeah. hole? Or are you planning on ripping a hole in space-time and entering into a hellish dimension where all your crew will become... <laughs> you know, it, this is the architecture that you get. And you've got the stupid... You've got, okay. They're adorable. Bob is adorable. But you've got the stupid robot sidekicks. Oh, sure. Um, but you also get to watch someone get disemboweled in a I Disney know, movie. Right? And irony of ironies, it's Anthony Hopkins. Who, oh. you know, I mean, it's this is psycho. And he gets it. It's, yeah. It was incredibly shocking at the time for, and this was something that when you saw the I reviews, mean, you don't see it. No, no, but you, it's, you, it, it's, it, you yeah. know, yeah, and it is just genuinely, um, but it's also this. It, it, the, you know, and I they think keep that's one telling of us we're getting a remake. I know. I think that's one of the reasons why it didn't do very well at the box office is because it was a Disney movie, and there are certain expectations, and then suddenly you have a disembowelment, and it's like. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a Disney movie. So, little chirping birds, and then suddenly they're like yeah. run through a wood chipper. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the that's the uh, that's the Roger Rabbit sequel. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's very very entertaining. I love the movie, and I own the movie, and and I think the design of the film is, yeah, is it's, fascinating. It's it's it's, a, it's fun to watch, and the premise is really really interesting. Mm. But it's not a. It's not a great. It's not. Um, we will have to put some of these on a watch party list and oh, go through it and just and just maybe, maybe not necessarily do a, a, a mystery science theater three thousand, but something along the lines of you know running commentary as we're watching the film and you know see what happens. Right? I mean, there, and there, some of these I think are, are films that people just didn't see because they didn't necessarily do well in the theater as well and they actually hold, hold up pretty well over time yeah. toys which got a lot of it was robin williams film mm -hmm. um that a lot of cuba gooding jr in that not as well. to be confused with the toy right which is a different which is a different <laughs> film starring richard Pryor. thank you thank you you're, you're correct uh and yeah but um i quite like i thought toys was visually it's also very very cool um, and I will go. I will continue to go to bat for the film *Ravenous* with Guy Pearce and Robert Carlyle, mm. the the Western expansionist, Western expansionist cannibal movie, um, with the, absolutely brilliant soundtrack. What was the the movie? Uh, there was a movie. Uh, it was a stop motion CG um, with the army action figures. Small soldiers. Small soldiers. Yes. <laughs> Quite enjoyed that film, um, and I can't, I can't tell you the last time I saw it though. Yeah, and I'm time. wondering if it would hold up. I don't know. I remember enjoying it at the time. Yeah. Uh, and I remember wondering why it didn't get a sequel. Probably just didn't make the money they wanted it to make. Yeah, that's always the. That's reason, pretty man. much the reason. We never make the money that we want to make. Nah, Speaking of which, do. if you want to give us money. Uh, we do have a PayPal account. We also have a Subscribestar account set up, and I really need to update it um, because I haven't done anything with it over there because 
nobody's nobody's over there. Um, but uh, yeah, if if you would like to support us in some small way, yeah, uh, you can do that, and that money goes to you know equipment and. Eventually, at some point, maybe we get back into uh, covering events on site, and so we have travel expenses there. Uh, of course, there's always the super chats over on YouTube, and you know, at some point, you know, maybe we start generating a little revenue here that you know we can do something with. But in the meantime, uh, we're we're fine doing it for free, I guess. <laughs> Been doing it that way so far. I know, right? How is that any different? All right, so that's going to do it for us uh, tonight. Thanks very much, for, uh, everybody, for being here yeah, in the chat. Robert and Robert and uh, and Christopher and Eastland and Matuine. And I think that that's it. So um, if you are listening to this as a podcast or if you're – uh, if you're consuming this program, if you're watching after the fact, you can always leave us a comment and let us know your thoughts, you know, bad movies that you enjoy. Oh, yeah, uh, You can send us an email, h2o at sci-fi for me.com. And if you have a particular topic you would like to suggest, we're open to that as well. So yeah. I have an idea for next week. So we'll talk about that. And uh, we will do this again in one week's time. Don't forget, this week we've got... Uh, live from the bunker all week through Thursday, and then a new Tartar sauce this Just week. That's the plan. Hope. So uh, stay tuned, and uh, if you haven't subscribed already, we do invite you to do that. Have your notifications turned on because YouTube apparently is up to its old shenanigans again, taking some of our subscribers away. Uh, that's a weird thing. It's a weird thing because our subscriber count has gone down, but nothing in the analytics. In either YouTube analytics or looking at Social Blade, none of it shows that we've actually lost anything. But our but our subscriber count has gone down. It's really really weird. But anyway, yeah. All right. So all right. So have a great night, everybody, and uh, thanks for being here. And we'll do this again next week. Thanks, guys. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. 